Hello, this is episode 262 of Crash, and it is Saturday the 11th of May 2019 at 1 minute past 10 and 13 seconds in the evening. Hello again. Long time no... I'm only kidding. It was just yesterday, wasn't it? And since yesterday, what's happened? Well, not much. I will say that normal service of this podcast has resumed. Unfortunately, although predictably, I suppose, nothing happened after uploading the episode about Amazon's predilection for selling racist goods. But we'll see. Anyway, today is one of those non-specific geek shows where I talk about everything that interests me, and intersects, hopefully, with what you're interested in as well. Let's do the show. First of all, Game of Thrones. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk about this until the finale, and I'm not really going to talk about it that much, and I'm also going to make a really strong attempt not to spoil anything either. But I had a few things to say, because it has been in the forefront of the news. I do agree that episode 3 of the later season was too dark. Episode 4, though, was pretty good. And talking about episode 3, apparently the Game of Thrones cinematographer defended the murkiness of our TV screens on TMZ the US gossip site, he said, I promise we shot the long night right. And I have to say he didn't. I liked the episode, but the battles were really hard to see, even with my television calibrated and cranked and the lights out. I know what I'm doing with TVs. And even with the curtains drawn... I had real difficulty seeing anything in this episode. On the other hand, Liana was awesome and heartbreaking in that murky episode. She seemed to me like a character from one of the late great David Gamel's bloody fantasy novels which I think must have strongly or slightly maybe influenced the TV show's art direction. I wonder. And just as an aside, Google David Gemmell if you're into fantasy. You won't regret it. And this is years before the term grimdark had been coined. I'm sorry if there are any extra squeaks in this episode. That's what you get when you're sitting on a cheap IKEA swivel chair. Mind you, I've set in more expensive chairs and they're pretty squeaky too. Oh, there we go. Another squeak. Stop it, chair. And yeah, about Liana. I'm still thinking about it. It was disturbing and awesome. Brienne's story arc in episode 4 
was heart-wrenching. I'm glad to see her character developing, and not stuck as a cardboard cutout, one-dimensional lady knight. The talky scenes in 4, the battles, the dragon drama, were all pretty great. I know there has been some controversy regarding the fate of some of the characters, and and I can understand that controversy. But generally, the show seems to be going quite well. Although there really aren't that many episodes left. Oh, exciting. And another episode tomorrow. Okay, the good fight. Yeah, it's another Awuga vanilla warning (laughs) for a fairly non-genre show. But I do enjoy it, and it does... Star X, Game of Thrones, and Utopia actress Rose Leslie. And she's back playing the young lawyer as her firm navigates the anti-Trump resistance, Me Too, and Michael Sheen. <laughs> Michael Sheen has a real scene-chewing, druggy role based loosely on Roy Con, one of the Red Witch hunting Senator Joseph McCarthy's counsels. It is quite something to see him in action. (laughs) Yeah, come to think about it, I wonder if Michael Sheen was up for a part in Game of Thrones. I would think he would have made an interesting character. I can see him definitely there in Game of Thrones. Oh well. Next, the 410. This is a short 25-minute episode three-part Canadian web series by writer, producer, and actress Sapinda Raich. It's about a Sikh truck driver who's arrested with millions of dollars of coke And then we see his estranged daughter attempt to get him back by resorting to crime. The action scenes are a bit rough and underwritten, considering the subject matter, but the cultural stuff and the twist at the end are good. Yeah, I don't think I've really seen any... Indo-Canadian dramas before, and there is a sizable community in Canada, especially in the area that this drama is set in, Brampton. So it was quite good, yeah. And like I said, the twist at the end is quite delightful. Uh, And, oh yeah, it's, like I said, only three parts, so it's a really quick watch. You can watch it in one sitting, and you're not even really box-setting something. It's about the length of a short film. More squeaking, sorry. Okay, it has been a while since we started podcasting again. And we started doing that yesterday, but I missed 
doing a specific Star Wars Day podcast. So I'll tell you what I did on Star Wars Day. The plan was to watch 4, 5 and 6 and then go to the latest films. So A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi and then The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I didn't really do that. (laughs) Not in one day. It actually took me three days, one movie per day, so I only watched the original movies, 4, 5, and 6, and it took me four Cornettos, which averages out slightly more than one Cornetto per movie, which is pretty good for me. I would have said that they're two Cornetto movies. It has been a while since I've watched the original movies, particularly... Return of the Jedi, and it always wrecks me at the end when I see Luke lighting his father's funeral pyre. Gets me right there. I was talking about this the other day, and Luke has a hard, hard journey. What else did I do? Oh yeah, escape room. I think if you put Saw and Cube together, you get Escape Room. But that doesn't make it a bad movie. It's just, it can't really compete with a movie like Cube, which, if you haven't seen, go and see that. Cube. Great horror science fiction film. But, yeah, back to Escape Room. I'm surprised that it took this long to make a film about Escape Rooms, because they are so popular. And they obviously grabbed the chance to go for a high-concept, easily defined horror film. And it works quite well. And next... Oh, Captain Marvel. Finally saw that. In Captain Marvel, a test pilot gains alien superpowers. It surprised me a lot how much I enjoyed this. I didn't think I would, but I did. I think Brie Larson really is perfect in the role. I think she is one of the most likeable of all the on-screen superheroes at the moment. And that wasn't the only superhero movie I saw. I also saw Shazam. In Shazam, a boy gains magical superpowers and becomes a Superman analogue. I thought it was funny and fun, and it really surprised me. It looks like DC's cinematic universe is actually not terrible anymore. Oh, after the awful spectre of Batfleck, and oh dear, yeah, Suicide Squad. Oh, horrible. But yeah, it looks like DC are back. And they can add this to Wonder Woman as another DC win. Oh, and did you know? Well, you probably did if you listened to this podcast because you're a geek. But just in case you didn't, there are Hellraiser and Candyman remakes on the way. Cue outrage. Exactly. (sighs) Oh dear, have you noticed I keep sighing? 
I'm doing that thing that those doors on the spaceship Heart of Gold keep doing in the original TV series on the BBC. Yes, I know there was a radio series, but I can't remember sighing doors on that version of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Where were we? Yes, there is a Hellraiser remake on the way, written by David S. Goyer. And what are they doing? Why don't they just let Hellraiser go? And Candyman. I don't think Hellraiser was the film it could have been, but there is something that makes the film deserve cult status. I saw it the first time round, and it really blew me away. I loved it. Candyman is really a good movie. I don't have any problems with the original movie. No reason at all for a remake. Even less reason than Hellraiser. This is just obviously a cash grab reboot. And it makes me a bit sad really because there are a million great scripts just waiting to be filmed. A million great stories just waiting to be adapted. Why can't one of those be chosen? It sometimes makes you a bit depressed when you're a writer to see this happen over and over again. And really, if there needs to be something of Clive Barker that could be adapted for the big screen, he's written a lot of other stuff. A lot of other really great stuff. So yeah, I don't really see the point in any of it. And on the subject of horror, I watched the latest Brightburn trailer and it looks really good and I'm really a bit fed up of people saying oh yeah but Red Sun it's all been done before we've already had evil Superman actually Red Sun is the tip of a mountain of other Superman like bad guys so stop saying Red Sun I think Brightburn looks really good I'll be surprised if it lets me down. I hope it doesn't let me down. I got a kind of chronicle vibe from Brightburn. And yeah, another aside, if you haven't seen Chronicle, go and see it. You'll like it. Okay, moving on from Superman to another superhero, my favourite superhero. I also watched latest... Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. And while Spider-Man is my favourite superhero, I'm not sure about this. I think the new version of Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, looks overly powerful. Unless, of course, it's all just smoke and mirrors, which would make sense because... Mysterio's superpower is that he makes himself look like a superhero when really he isn't. When I saw the trailer, I immediately went back to my pocketbook edition of the original 1960s Spider-Man comics to compare the two Mysterios. 
And I still like the old version. I think the old version of Mysterio looks kind of cool. The new version looks a bit too mechanical and blocky. Does that mean I'm now officially a dinosaur? I don't care. Next. Actual comic books. Yeah, I've been reading them. I haven't just been watching TV. I read Alex plus Ada. Volume 1. This is a 2014 trade paperback from Image Comics by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughan. In this comic, Alex is lonely and single and coming up to his birthday party. So his very, very rich granny buys him a fembot, a.k.a. a gynoid a.k.a. a female, lifelike android. There are some, as you can well imagine, really funny moments, like when Alex's sister discovers his secret, then immediately invites all their friends around to gawp at the fembot and interrogate Alex. It's an excruciating and very funny scene, and I actually laughed quite a bit. (laughs) Laughing at the memory now. It's very similar to Humans, the TV show, but on a smaller, more personal scale. And that's Alex plus Ada, Volume 1, from Image Comics 2014. The next Image Comics trade paperback I read was from 2016. I tweeted an image of the cover a few weeks ago. And this one's called Bloody Mary. It's by Garth Ennis and Carlos Ezquerra. It's a crazy, violent, future war slash spy adventure about an ex Death Squad assassin, Corporal Bloody Mary Malone, and her mad sidekick, the Major. (laughs) I'm sorry, every time he has a bit of dialogue in the comic book, it's very funny. He's a Major who's forgotten who he is, apart from the fact that he used to be in Special Forces, and he's a Major. He is very boy's own adventure, gung-ho, the type of character you would have seen in Commando or Warlord in the UK. To me, the partnership and the violence and Carlos's art makes it feel like a thinly veiled strontium dog, but it's still fun and very gory as well. And that's Bloody Mary from Image Comics. Let's move on to technology. My mum bought herself a Nokia 6.1 Plus. It's her first Android phone, so she says it's a little confusing compared to an iPhone, and I can attest to that. That is true. That was true for me as well. But she does like how the big budget mid-range phone sits in her hand, and how it is considerably cheaper than an iPhone. She sent me some photos today. She's already been 
working out how to import and export photos to her desktop. And she <laughs> took a ridiculous photo of a sketch portrait of me and then made it embarrassing with some effects. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> and let's move on to creative matters now. If you're a listener of the show and you're a writer, I would like to know what you use. I'd like to get a kind of poll about what people use, and then I can compare and talk about the products on the podcast. Personally speaking, this is a list of my most frequently used writing tools. The word processor I use is MS Word 2003 because it is the last version of Microsoft Word for Windows that doesn't have the hideous ribbon interface. For distraction-free writing, I use Focuswriter, the multi-platform distraction-free writing environment. It is great, works on everything, and yeah, it just works. For script writing, I use Final Draft because it is the industry standard tool, and I know there are better and cheaper options out there, but I can't be bothered faffing around with 10 different formats. For outlining, I use Treepad Lite, which is free, very minimal, and just does exactly what it says it does. You can change the background and the foreground, but that's about it. It also saves your documents in a plain text format. So if something goes hideously wrong with a program and it crashes, you aren't stuck with a proprietary file that you can't hack. And now for some creative shoutouts. I tweeted that if anyone tells me what they are writing, I'll retweet it. Well, only one person did. And they weren't very specific, but they did at least do that. So here we go. Adam W, who is at a Washington 227 on Twitter, said, I'm currently working on a pilot that I've been meaning to write for years now. That and I'm polishing a feature-length film script I wrote back in the day. So good luck with that, Adam. And this is where I would have a break if I could be bothered to have a break right now, but we're so near the end, I think I'm just going to skip it and get to the after show bit, which contains not very much other than the news that I finally got my hands on a second-hand copy of Ray Garton's horror novel Live Girls. It is pure, unadulterated 80s trash. It is great. I am rereading it because I used to own a first edition copy back in the 80s. I more recently bought the sequel to it, but I wanted both books because I wanted to see what happened in the first book before getting to the sequel because it has been such a long time since I've read it. But I'll be talking about that fairly soon. And that is it for today. 
The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this episode. It seems that every week I say that, I'm saying it faster and faster. Maybe I should just pre-record it. Ah, where's the fun in that? Anyway, if you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend. You were listening to Crash, and it is geeky. This was episode 262, recorded on a creaky chair on Saturday the 11th of May 2019, and the time at the end of the show is 32 minutes past 10 and 42 seconds in the evening. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!